All right, so we're entering the home stretch here. We've got chapter 36, which I'll go over today, which is the 1970s. Then we have uh, 37 is going to be the resurgence of conservatism and the cultural war, 1980 to present. And then our last one, <clears throat> before we start our review and you guys have your AP test, is going to be America in the post-1991 world. And that will be chapter 38. All right, so let's go ahead and... Continue on with the 1970s. So we'll start off with Nixon and Vietnam. So in 69, Nixon is going to publicly state that he had a secret plan for ending the war. Um, he didn't. Yeah. Anyway, it continued for four more years at the cost of nearly 20,000 lives in Vietnam. And December of the same year, there's going to be a lottery draft that will replace the previous system for men between the ages of 18 and 25. Uh, it was designed to be a, a fair system. Draftees could no longer get deferments, like for college. The numbers, basically from 1 to 365, and each would represent a birth date, were randomly selected. And men whose birth dates were selected first would be the first to go. Those selected after 200 would more likely, more likely not go. <clears throat> Vietnamization. Nixon called for a gradual withdrawal of U.S. troops. South Vietnam would receive U.S. money, weapons, and training so they could gradually take over the burden of fighting the Viet Cong. Now, by 73, the numbers of U.S. soldiers had reduced from 500,000 to 25,000, so there was a gradual withdrawal. The Nixon Doctrine was basically what it was is uh, Asians and others would now have to fight their own wars without support of a significant number of U.S. ground troops. And this is going to represent a step back from containment. Nixon is also going to expand bombing attacks to compensate for fewer ground troops. All right, he had a, what they called the silent majority speech. So a little background, there was going to be large-scale protests, 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 that's not even a word. Anyway, protests against the war, and they would continue through this. Uh, Doves wanted an immediate withdrawal that was complete, unconditional, and irreversible. Remember, we had those doves and we had the hawks. Uh, the Malay Massacre, M-Y-L-A-I. This is going to be in 68 and would not be revealed to the public until 69. Lieutenant, Lieutenant William Cowley is going to order the massacre of 350 South Vietnamese civilians. Let me, let me emphasize that one more time. Civilians in a small village. Cowley was convicted of murder in his court-martial and sentenced to life and prison. Obviously, you can tell when I'm doing this because you can probably hear the thunder in the background. He's shaking and quaking. All right, Callie's going to claim he followed a direct order and the sentence was later lowered to 10 years. 10 years for 350 lives. Makes perfect sense. <clears throat> anyway. All right, the public was obviously outraged, and there's going to be hundreds of thousands that will protest. Many are going to begin to refer to U.S. soldiers as baby killers. Uh, by October of 69, 2 million people across the U.S. are going to protest Nixon's policies. November 3rd, Nixon is going to televise his speech to the great silent majority who presumably supported the war. Presumably. Now, the speech appealed to middle-class Americans who sought law and order. Nixon is going to announce the doves and the protesters, and it became one of the most important political speeches of the late 20th century. It's also going to symbolize the rise of a conservative backlash against liberalism and the uh, divisions that are going to result from it. 
Uh, it was politically divis uh, divisive as Nixon and Agnew were going to verbally attack the protesters and the media for not supporting government policies. The invasion of Cambodia. Nixon had ordered the secret bombing of Cambodia, Laos, and North Vietnam in March of 69, and this was not made public until 73. The attempt to cut off communist supply lines ultimately failed. April of 1970, Nixon is going to announce on TV that he was sending troops into Cambodia to clear out communists who ignored Cambodian neutrality and to disrupt the Ho Chi Minh Trail. The invasion would be limited to 60 days. The new wave of protesters would erupt over the invasion of Cambodia. Kent State uh, had an incident on May 3rd of 1970. This is going to be in Ohio. Uh, students at Kent State are going to protest. They're going to burn the ROTC building. The National Guard is going to fire into a crowd, killing four. All of them are innocent bystanders and will wound 11. Jackson State, May 15th of 1970, which was an all-black school in Mississippi. Uh, one week after Kent State, there's going to be rioting in downtown Jackson that will, that will prompt the National Guard to be called out. Two would die, 12 will be wounded, and both fatalities, again, were innocent bystanders. So people didn't even have anything to do with the protests. Several hundred colleges are going to be closed down by student strikes. Now, in response to Nixon's announcement, Congress is going to repeal the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, and protests are going to wane at the, after the Cambodian climax. Pentagon Papers of 71. The former defense analyst Daniel Ellsberg is going to leak classified war-related government documents of Johnson's presidency to the New York Times. He's going to reveal that the government had misled Congress and the public regarding its intentions in Vietnam during the mid-1960s. The attack on the U.S. ships in the Gulf of Tonkin in 64 had not been unprovoked as Johnson had claimed, which we talked about in our last chapter. The documents showed Johnson's primary reason for fighting was not to eliminate communism, but to avoid a humiliating political defeat. Nixon tried to block the publication of the Pentagon Papers, but the Supreme Court overruled Nixon because, again, Amendment 1, freedom of the press. The government's credibility received Yet another heavy blow, because, hello. Anyway, ending the Vietnam War. Now, South Vietnam, Vietnam's government is going to prove unable to defeat the communists through this Viet, Vietnam, Vietnamization. A difficult word. The U.S. is going to withdraw from Cambodia in early uh, 72, but there will be bombing that will continue. In spring of 72, North Vietnam, equipped with foreign tanks, are going to burst through the the uh, DMZ or the demilitarized zone and that, that will separate the two Vietnams. Nixon is going to order a massive bombing of North Vietnam and it's going to mine its ports, the North Vietnamese offensive ground, to a halt. The Dente... This is going to be Nixon's diplomacy with China, and the USSR is going to pay dividends as neither retaliated against the U.S., which we'll talk about more here in a second. All right, so the Paris Accords of 73. Now, those, as always, we'll start off with some provisions. North Vietnam would retain control over large areas of the South, and they had to agree to release U.S. POWs within 60 days. The U.S. would withdraw its forces after prisoners were released. Nixon announced that peace with honor had been achieved. Now, the critics are going to contend that Nixon could have come to this agreement four years earlier before 20,000 more U.S. soldiers had died. On March 29th of 73, the last American combat troops would leave South Vietnam. 
Now, the fall of South Vietnam to communists would occur in 75. This is going to be in April. South Vietnam's capital city of Saigon was renamed Ho Chi Minh City, and not until 95 did President Clinton formally recognize Vietnam. All right, so the costs and the results. There's going to be 58,000 dead Americans, 300,000 wounded, uh, over 2,500 missing in action, over 2 million dead Vietnamese, 300,000 missing in action. The war is going to derail Johnson's Great Society. There's going to be $150 billion that's spent on the war rather than on social programs. A large percentage of Americans are going to come to distrust their government, even more so after, you know, the Watergate scandal when we get to 74. <clears throat> the war is going to lead to inflation and it's going to contribute to a stagnant economy in the 70s. In 73, Nixon is going to abolish the draft and will establish an all-volunteer army. The 26th Amendment would be ratified in 71, meaning that the voting age would be lowered from 21 to 18 years of age. So basically, if soldiers were old enough to die for their country, they were old enough to vote. <clears throat> but not old enough to drink alcohol. Anyway, that's something my dad always brought up. Because his uh, brother was in the war. World War II. Alright, so the Dente. This is going to mark a shift... An improvement in the U.S. and Soviet relations. So, we'll start off with Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. He's going to travel to China and the USSR for a secret session to plan summit meetings. Nixon will believe the current USSR-Chinese clash over their interpretations of Marxism could give the U.S. an opportunity to play off, uh, play off one against the other. Uh, Nixon also hoped to gain their aid in pressuring North Vietnam into peace. Now, Nixon's in in uh, Kissinger's policies, the Realpolitik, that's R-E-A-L-P-O-L-I-T-I-K. They believe the U.S. should pursue policies and make um, alliances based on its national interests rather than on any particular view of the war world. So, you know, like democracy versus communism. So they're not really wanting to look at that. The balance of power. Uh, it would be safer. It would be a safer world and a better world if we had a strong, healthy United States, Europe, Soviet Union, China, Japan, each balancing the other. This is going to be part of Nixon's speech in 71. And this detente, or detente, uh, this is going to be the key to this balance. Nixon is going to visit China in 72. So in February of 72, Nixon and Kissinger are going to go to China to meet with Mao Zedong and his associates. The U.S. is going to agree to support China's admission to the United Nations and to pursue economic and cultural exchanges. So basically, they're recognizing China. This is going to reverse the U.S. policy of not recognizing the Chinese Revolution in 49. China was later officially recognized by the U.S. in 1979. So it would take a few more years. Uh, Nixon would visit Moscow in May of 72. He's going to play his China card with the Soviets. The USSR wanted U.S. foodstuffs and feared an intensified rivalry with a U.S.-backed China. Chairman Leonard, or Leonoid Brezhnev uh, had earlier suggested nuclear arms reduction. Nixon is going to fly to Russia to sign the historic arms treaty. His visit is going to usher in that era of Dente. The policy is going to seek to establish rules to govern the rivalry between the U.S. and the Soviet Union and China. It's going to result in several significant agreements. The agreements were significant as they were made before the U.S. withdrew from Vietnam. All right. Arms control treaties. 
The SALT I, or the Strategic Arms Limitation Treaty, was signed in May of 72 and resulted in two major agreements. The U.S. and the USSR agreed to stop making uh, nuclear ballistic missiles for five years. The ABM Treaty, or the Anti-Ballistic Missiles Treaty, the U.S. and USSR agreed to reduce the number of anti-ballistic missiles to 200 for each power. The ballistic missile uh, agreement became moot due to U.S. development of MIRVs, or multiple independent, sorry, independently targeted reentry vehicles. So, one missile could carry many warheads. Both the U.S. and the Soviets had nearly 20,000 warheads by the 1980s. All right, there's going to be a grain deal in 1972, which is a three-year agreement by which the U.S. agreed to sell all at least $750 million worth of wheat, corn, and other cereals to the USSR. The Helsinki Conference was in July of 75. There's going to be 34 countries present. It's going to occur during General Ford's presidency. One group of, of agreements officially ended World War II by finally legitimizing the Soviet-dictated boundaries of Poland and other Eastern European countries. Now, in return, the Soviets are going to guarantee more liberal exchange of people and information between East and West and the protection of certain basic human rights. Yet the Soviets reneged on their pledges. The U.S. became angry that the USSR continued to send huge quantities of arms and military technicians to pro-communist forces around the world. Ford sought to maintain the policy of Dente, but U.S. and USSR relations were deteriorating. Now, the Dijente <clears throat> evaluated. It was successful overall as the U.S. manipulated the two great communist powers into helping end the Vietnam War, but it did not end the arms race. It was relatively short-lived and ended in 79 with the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. So, let's talk about some economic challenges in the 1970s. So, inflation, always. Uh, it's going to reach 12% by 1971. Unemployment is going to grow to 6% in 1970. The cost of living more than tripled from 69 to 81. The longest and the steepest inf uh, inflation inflationary cycle in U.S. history. Now, in 71, Nixon is going to announce a 90-day price and wage freeze and took the U.S. off the gold standard. In 70, Congress had given the president the power to regulate prices and wages. At the end of the 90, or, sorry, at the end of the 90 days, Nixon is going to establish mandatory guidelines for wage and price increases. In 73, he's going to turn to voluntary wage and price controls except on health care, food, and construction. When inflation increases rapidly, Increased rapidly, Nixon is going to cut back on government expenditures, refusing to spend funds already appropriated by Congress. All right, the energy crisis, 73, also known as the oil crisis. Now, prior to 73, the U.S. had enjoyed low energy prices and a seemingly inexhaustible supply of energy. The two energy crises of the 1970s were major causes of the economic troubles in the 70s. The Arab Oil embargo. The Yom Kippur War of 1973, which is also known as the October War, would result in bitterness among Arabs toward Western nations for the support of Israel. The Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, or OPEC, is going to include Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Iran, Iraq, and they are going to raise the price of oil from about $3 to $11.65 a barrel in an attempt to force US, the U.S. to recognize the power. Palestine Liberation Organization, or the PLO. And it says like $11 a barrel, like, oh, it's so much more. It's like, I think it's like 100 bucks a barrel now. Anyway, <clears throat> and anyway, so 
they wanted to force the U.S. to recognize the PLO and support other Arab uh, demands. The Arab states are going to establish an oil boycott to push the Western nations into forcing Israel to withdraw from lands controlled since the Six-Day War of 67. Kissinger is going to uh, negotiate a withdrawal of Israel west of the Suez Canal, and the Arabs are going to lift their boycott. U.S. gas prices doubled and inflation shot above 10%. Nixon would refuse to ration gasoline, and an acute gasoline shortage would ensue. Another oil crisis occurred in 79 as Arab nations sought to punish the West for its support of the Shah and Iran. Iran was the world's second largest oil producer. Now, there are going to be attempts to create national energy policies. In 74, the industrialized countries formed the International Energy Agency, the IEA, to coordinate international uh, cooperation on issues related to energy security. Members agreed to share oil in times of energy crises. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve in the U.S. was founded in 1975. Hundreds of millions of barrels would be stored underground near the Gulf of Mexico as a hedge against future disruptions in the oil supply. Currently, the SPR has a capacity of 727 million barrels. The Energy Policy and Conservation Act, or the EPCA of 75, is going to be signed by President Ford. The act is going to seek to reduce U.S. reliance on foreign oil, increase domestic supply of energy, and encourage cleaner sources of energy. So, see, we were trying to get cleaner sources of energy all the way back in the 70s. Now, for the first time, the government mandated fuel efficiency vehicle standards to reduce U.S. consumption of oil for transportation. And also, for the first time, the government promoted energy efficiency. The National Energy Act, and this is going to be in 78. So, President Jimmy Carter is going to persuade Congress to pass the act with his more equivalent of war speech. He likened the current energy crisis to war. The law sought to reduce U.S. dependency on foreign oil, increase the use of coal, increase the energy efficiency of buildings, promote conservationism, create an electricity market, restructure the NAC natural gas market, and deregulate oil prices. Now, ultimately, the regulation of energy by the federal government was often ineffective, and the nation did not adequately shift from its reliance of fossil fuels to renewable energies, which is, you know, where we're still sitting at. Uh, during the Reagan administration in the 1980s, the government took a more laissez-faire approach to regulation of energy and the environment. Laissez-faire and environment. Those two don't go in the same sentence, but here we are. All right, so the cause of U.S. economic stagnation in the 70s. So the federal deficits mounted in the 60s due to the Great Society and the Vietnam War. The international competition, especially from Germany and Japan, is going to challenge U.S. economic supremacy that it had enjoyed since the end of World War II. That was one of the things we talked in one of our earlier, earlier podcasts, that that's what came out of World War II is this economic strength. The U.S. became economically complacent after they're going to see little need initially to modernize plants and seek more efficient methods of production. The rising energy costs of the oil crisis are going to drive up inflation. There's going to be an increase of women and teenagers in the workforce who took part-time jobs that meant they were less likely to develop skills in the long term. A shift of the economy from manufacturing to services occurred when productivity gains were allegedly more difficult to achieve and a decline in investment is going to result. The inflationary military and welfare spending during the 1960s and the absence of offsetting taxes gave people money without adding to the supply of goods those dollars can buy. Stagflation is going to hit by the 1970s and it will plague the Ford and the Carter administration. 
So uh, slowing productivity and rising inflation, looking at it like 11% and 74 is going to occur simultaneously, which is relatively rare. Uh, unemployment is going to reach over 9%. You look, you want about 4% for a healthy economy. This is going to be in 75. Uh, by 1980, inflation was 12%. The Federal Reserve Board, which would be led by the federal chairman, Paul Volcker, is going to increase interest rates by 20%. Sales of automobiles and houses suffered, which include increased in unemployment by, <clears throat> sorry, to 7.5% by 1980. So in other words, it's not good. All right. So political and foreign policy crises or crises, or, yeah, whatever. Watergate, the big one. All right. So this is the biggest presidential scandal, scandal in U.S. history. And this is going to force Nixon to resign. He was worried about the outcome of the 1972 elections. Nixon's attorney general set up CREEP -E and began a massive illegal fundraising campaign. Money was set aside in a special fund to pay for dirty tricks uh, operations against Nixon's Democratic opponents. White House plumbers were instructed to stop anti-Nixon leaks to the press. The Watergate break-in in the summer of 92. So burglars hired by a creep were caught breaking into the Democratic Party National Headquarters at the Watergate Hotel in D.C. Nixon and his aides denied any involvement in the break-in. <clears throat> And embarked on a massive cover-up while the public initially believed them. Uh, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, which were two young Washington Post journalists, broke the story. In 73, water, the Watergate trial and Senate hearings revealed Nixon and other White House officials had covered up their involvement and pressured defendants to plead guilty and remain silent. The Watergate tapes. Uh, so there's going to be a Senate committee and a special prosecutor called on Nixon to surrender White House tapes of er, conversations that might pertain to the Watergate break-in. Nixon refused and claimed executive privilege, stating the release of the tapes would endanger national security. So then we had the court case of U.S. versus Nixon. So the court ruled unanimously that President Nixon had to release full versions of the tapes. A House committee voted to recommend impeachment of President Nixon on three counts. Obstruction of justice by trying to cover up the role of the White House in the Watergate burglary. Violating the rights of U.S. citizens by using the FBI, CIA, and the IRS to harass critics. Defying congressional authority by refusing to turn over the tapes. On August 5th, Nixon handed over the tapes, which revealed a White House cover-up. August 7th of 1974, Nixon would resign as president. Impeachment charges seemed certain in light of the released tapes. And the following day, Vice President Gerald Ford was sworn in as president. Ford pardoned Nixon in September for any crimes he may have committed while president. Many Americans were outraged that Nixon escaped justice. Same. In light of Vietnam, Americans grew even more skeptical of their government. 31 Nixon administration officials were convicted and went to prison for Watergate-related offenses, but not Nixon. Congress took back power for the presidency in light of the Vietnam and the Watergate. The war powers... Powers Act in 73. Now, this required the president to consult with Congress before sending troops into action for 90 days or more. In 74, uh, the Congressional Budget and Impoundment Control Act. This is going to prohibit impounding of federal money by the president. And this is going to be a response to Nixon's impounding of funds from civil rights laws and environmental laws. The Federal Election Campaign Act of 72. 
This is going to set limits on campaign contributions, and this is going to be Congress's reaction to creep. The Privacy Act, and this is going to extend the Freedom of Information Act of 1966, this, this is going to be Congress's response to Nixon's abuse of the FBI powers. It's going to allow citizens to have prompt access to the files that the government may have gathered on them, and it would require the government to prove its case for classification when attempting to withhold information on the grounds of national security. Okay. The Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, this is going to be in December of 79, and this would mark the end of the detente. President Jimmy Carter is going to proclaim the U.S. would use any means necessary, including force, to protect the Persian Gulf against Soviet aggression. Carter stopped shipments of grain and certain advanced technology to the USSR. He would author with also withdraw SALT II from consideration by the Senate, the U.S. boycott of the 1980 Summer Olympics in Moscow, and in retaliation, the Soviets and their Eastern Bloc allies boycotted the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. The Soviets met stiff resistance in Afghanistan, and the war became uh, Russia's Vietnam, and Soviet forces pulled out a decade later. The Iran hostage crisis of 79 through 81. This is the biggest and most uh, damaging crisis of Carter's presidency. It cost him the presidential election of 80. The Iranian revelation. Revelation. Revolution. Having issues. All right, so in 78, there's going to be a revolution that would force the Shah to flee the country. The Atolian Ramol. I can't say his last name. So uh, Anatol Ayatollah. That's another part of um, we didn't start the fire. Ayatollahs in Iran. Russians in Afghanistan. Wheel of Fortune, Sally Ride. Yeah. Anyway. It's such a great little history song. All right. Uh, Ayatollah is going to be a religious leader. He's going to become Iran's leader. Uh, he's going to reverse many of the Shah's Western reforms and establish a conservative Islamic social order. The Ira uh, Iranian revolutionaries are going to call the U.S. the Great Satan for its support of money and arms to the Shah of Iran. Uh, funny little antidote here. Ant ant antidote, whatever. Words are hard. Uh, there's an episode of Bones. That one of the interns is asked about the great Satan. Tell me who it is. And you get both points. Or mention this. Because again, this is this is my how I know you listen to this podcast. Alright, it's going to be known as, uh, they would call the U.S. the great Satan for its support of money support of money and arms to the Shah of Iran. Now the CIA had put the Shah in power in 53 after its overthrow. <clears throat> Uh, American hostages. Carter is going to allow the Shah to come to the U.S. for medical treatment in October of 79 after the Shah was in exile. In response, about 400 Iranians and many of these are going to be students are going to break into the U.S. Embassy in Tehran on November 4th, uh, November 4th and take the occupants captive. They demanded Shah be returned to Iran for trial and that his wealth be confiscated and given to Iran. Iran has eventually freed the African-American and female hostages but kept 52 others. Carter froze Iranian assets in the U.S. and initiated a trade embargo against Iran. In April of, eight, of uh, 80, Carter is going to order a Marine rescue, but it failed after several helicopters broke down and one crashed, killing eight men. Carter was perceived by Americans as weak, indecisive, and ineffective and suffered a crushing defeat in 80. 
Now, the release of the hostages occurred after 444 days. After extensive negotiations with Iran, Carter is going to release <clears throat> Iranian assets, and the hostages are going to be free January 2nd of 1980. As a final insult to Carter, the hostages were released after Ronald Reagan took his inaugural oath and Carter's presidency was over. Right. The Rise of the Environmental Movement. Rachel Carson's Silent Spring was written in 62. If you have not read that book, I would suggest you do. Just putting that out there. I may add that to my future A-Push repertoire. Let me make a note of that. Somebody remind me of that. Anyway, it's going to expose the poisonous effects of pesticides, especially DDT. Uh, her book was the seminal work that sparked the environmental movement. So, Earth Day of April 22nd, 1970, is seen as a symbolic beginning of the nation's uh, environmental era. <clears throat> so, we have Earth Day coming up. The National Environmental Policy Act of 70 is going to acknowledge the damage done to the nation's environment and mandated environmental protection. So, we have the Clean Air Act of 1970. This is one of the truly uh, landmark environmental la uh, laws of the era. Its provisions ultimately reduced smog in major cities and dramatically improved air quality throughout the nation. The subsequent Clean Air and Water Law was passed a few, few years later. The Environmental Protection Agency, or the EPA, was created in 1970. Its inception climaxed two decades of environmentalism. Eventually, the EPA stood on the front line of the battle for a clean environment. Progress was made in subsequent decades on reducing automobile emissions to improve smog-ridden cities and to clean up polluted rivers and lakes. <clears throat> Nixon and Ford were often opposed to environmental legislation due to conservative uh, perceptions of federal overregulation of businesses and increased costs. But the problem is those businesses, even if they don't increase the cost, will increase the cost over time. But the businesses, if they're polluting your water and your air and your land, it's not just hurting them, it's also hurting others. So as we've discussed, that would be, you know, that would be pushing into, you know, your own rights. And it would go against the Declaration of Independence, you know, life, liberty, mainly life. Anyway, <clears throat> All right, so the Endangered Species Act of 73, the area of protected land and water was increased 300%. The recovered species included the bald eagle, the peregrine falcon, and the gray whale. And there's going to be criticism, always. Uh, the Wetlands Regulations and the Endangered Species Act is going to impose what they consider to be unconstitutional restrictions on landowners. They argue too much valuable land was taken out of production and off the tax rolls. Yeah, we are all right, the toxic waste issue. So, Love Canal in New York. The soil and groundwater were so polluted that the EPA declared the town unfit for habitation after abnormally high rates of birth defects occurred in the town. Residents were evacuated, homes boarded up, and the community was sealed off by a tall chain-link fence. That's just creepy. Anyway, Superfund was established in 80 by President Jimmy Carter to clean up, clean up toxic dumps throughout the country. It was the government's response to the Love Canal issue, and the, it, its impact was the release of selected toxic chemicals would decrease 46%. President Carter would establish controls over strip mining and protected 100 million acres of Alaskan wilderness from development. 
Now, there's going to be protests over nuclear power. Three Mile Island, now March of 79 in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and this is going to be the worst nuclear disaster in U.S. history. The plant's core released radioactive water and steam, and 100,000 residents were evacuated. Officials feared a massive radiation release, but it never came. But the reactor was shut down for six years. Environmental groups stepped up their protests, and the nuclear power industry slowed down the, the building of new plants. The Three Mile Island issue is a major reason why the U.S. relies far less on nuclear power than other industrial nations, although the U U.S. produces more nuclear power than any other nation. All right, so that is the end of that chapter. Um, a couple of the things you kind of really need to think about is, uh, you know, analyzing the causes and features of America's economic stagnation during the 70s. Um, to what extent do you think that the environmental movement was successful during the 70s and analyze the successes and failures of Nixon's Cold War policies? Uh, there's not too, too many terms to know. Those will drop tomorrow. That's what actually be what you'll be working on in class. And that will be due the following Monday because I know most of you will not be there on Friday because prom. <laughs>